One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. This is the Court Today replay on C103. Good morning to you on what is really a beautiful, beautiful morning out there. If you haven't been out and about yet, get out, get out and enjoy at some stage today. Go out for a little bit of a uh, a walk, go visit a friend, uh, go do a bit of shopping, just get out there because it really is uh, gorgeous and it is looking like across the weekend we are in for a peach of a weekend for Easter and it's really nice for Easter with the children off school and people taking time off work and families getting together it's lovely that the weather forecast is uh, so good so long may it last and may each and every one of us uh, enjoy it. I'm going to start the programme with just a couple of thank yous because the post has arrived and more money has been sent in by some really kind and generous listeners for my trip to uh, Belarus which I've just realised will be two weeks today I will be under uh, way and I just want to acknowledge because uh, money has arrived safely and just to say thank you uh, to a couple of people the gang at uh, Star Trek's uh, in Knocknagree, Mike and uh, Sheila Fitzgerald, who are incredibly generous people anyway, but they've taken time out to send some money for the trip to Belarus. Thank you uh, for that and uh, good luck to them. They, I know they have a fundraising dance happening this weekend on uh, Saturday. Is it th- this Saturday? No, it's Saturday week actually. It's the 27th of April. They're doing a fundraising dance at Knocknagree for uh, Laharan Cross. So good luck with that. And thank you to a gentleman who simply signed the card, John Cork. And uh, has put in a little note with a very uh, more than generous donation to say have a safe trip to Belarus. Happy Easter. And uh, John, if you are listening, and I hope you are, uh, a happy Easter to you and thank you. Thank you kindly to all of the people that has, have sent on uh, money. It will be well spent on the, in the main, I take it, on the little ones, on the children. It's always hard to walk away from children that are in need in a country like Belarus where there is so much need, uh, unfortunately. 1850 We're very much focused on our own history in this country today in a very dark time. And it's the whole issue of the mother and baby homes and the commission a report out uh, yesterday and just shocking, shocking some of the findings. Now, later on on the programme, I will be playing out the full interview. You're probably hearing clips of it on the news this morning. It was uh, Fiona Corcoran, our senior news reporter, went and spoke yesterday to a lady by the name of um, Anne O'Gorman, who had a baby in Besber when she was just 17. That baby, who she christened Evelyn, would be 48 years old this July. Anne was told after her baby was born that she had passed away. So she's very much reacting to what came out from the Commission report yesterday showing, well, not showing a lot really in many ways, people trying to find out where were their babies buried. And it's 
it's proving to be almost impossible. And the record uh, of deaths, I mean, obviously all of the mother and baby homes are contained in the report, but the one that we are most interested in is our own one here in Cork, which is Besber. And the, the it makes for grim reading, by the way. I haven't read the entire report. I read pieces of it um, line last night, but even just the bits that I read, it's just grim, grim reading. The record of deaths at Besber does not include any information about burials and the Commission uh, added that the identification of burial grounds had proven to be very challenging. Now they had oral evidence and they had affidavits from members of the congregation and of course Besborough was run by the Sacred Heart of uh, Jesus and Mary. So they had some members of the congregation they gave oral evidence and the commission said that they gave remarkably little evidence. I mean one of the examples cited was one member of the congregation said that they remembered no deaths during her time at Bedsborough. Now she was there for 50 years and she said in the 50 years she doesn't remember one single baby dying. Yet during that period of 50 years if you just take a snapshot of 10 years just one 10 year stretch of that 50 year period 31 deaths were recorded in just in 10 years and yet over the 50 years this woman is claiming that she remembers no deaths at all. Obviously the commission notes that it is rather surprising that she doesn't remember even one death, let alone that she would say she remembers none. Now, the Commission conducted extensive searches for alternative burial grounds within Besborough. And while it was clear that there are a number of locations within the grounds where burials could have taken place, it found no evidence of where they may have occurred. Members of the public have come forward suggesting possible locations on the ground, but again, no physical evidence has been produced showing that the sites contain any remains. Nonetheless, the Commission considers it highly likely that burials did take place on the grounds and the Commission, though, did not consider it feasible to excavate Besborough. The 60 acres are, there will be 200 acres, which was covered by the former uh, estate. And I, I'm, I'm assuming that that's what's going to be upsetting for so many people because there are so many people want to find out where their loved one was buried, either their own baby or now we've got siblings coming forward because they've discovered that they have a brother or sister that would have been born in Besborough, subsequently died. And they want these and I think everybody wants these babies buried with a little bit of dignity. They weren't shown any or a lot of dignity in life. Certainly their mothers weren't shown uh, a lot of dignity in life that you would at least expect in death that we can give these babies a proper Christian burial and a little headstone so that they can be uh, remembered. The Commission also found staying with Cork that 522 children died at the Cork County home, which was closely interconnected with Besborough. They are likely to be buried in Cars Hill, although there's no documentary evidence available. It was as if these babies were born and then some of them were still born. Some of them passed away. Some of them lived for days, for weeks. Some of them even lived for months. And it was just like they were just not worthy of any sort of recognition, not worthy of any recognition that they'd even, that they'd lived and died even for a very short period of time. But I tell you, one of the most shocking things that I've discovered, and I'm picking this up from the Times today, and I don't know if a lot of the other papers have picked up on this, but it is the anatomical study as part of the commission and it shows that the bodies of hundreds of children who died in the mother and baby homes were sent to medical schools to be dissected 
by students. And this is the late, this is contained in, in the, the latest commission uh, report. More than 950 dissected, no, sorry, 950 deserted and abandoned and illegitimate children who died in the Dublin Union Workhouse and associated institutions were sent to medical schools at UCD, Trinity and the Royal College of Surgeons. And that was between 1920 and wait for this, 1977. 1977 within all of our lifetimes. It's just mind-boggling. 932 babies and children were aged between 10 minutes and 15 years at the time of death. 27 were stillborn and this that's the figures that have come out in the, in the report uh, yesterday. The use of bodies of unclaimed deceased residents from the workhouses, God help them, and psychiatric hospitals and medical schools for anatomical studies was common practice across, and it wasn't just here in Ireland, it was, it was across the United uh, Kingdom and it went on until the mid-1960s and there was some act that that allowed for the medical schools to take these bodies that were unclaimed and people in workhouses got out them just because they were poor. Nobody there to claim them. Nobody there to give them a, a proper burial. I should will send them off and have them dissected at the medical school. And I know before anyone jumps in, the medical schools, of course, have to have bodies by way in order that we can train uh, doctors. But really, there's a lot of people donate their bodies to science and I have no issue with that. And even if you donate your body to science, the remains will still come back at some stage to get a Christian burial. There's nothing to indicate that any of these babies got a proper burial after the dissection. Now, under this Act, it's the 1832 Anatomy Act. This was the act that they were using in order to take the babies and send them off for dissection. Any person who had lawful possession of the body of a deceased person could allow the body to undergo anatomical examination unless the deceased person had stated that this was not to happen. And obviously a newborn baby wasn't able to state that it wasn't allowed to happen. Uh, bodies were not to be sent to medical schools for at least 48 hours but according to the Commission they found that that rarely happened. Some of the babies went uh, immediately. In the case of deserted or abandoned children who died in institutions there was no one with the legal capacity to object to the bodies being used for dissection and that's because the mothers weren't asked Many of the mothers who we who we would have spoken to over the years whose babies died said you know they were never allowed to see the their bodies afterwards. This is one explanation why they were never allowed to see their bed, dead baby afterwards because the babies were gone in some cases off to medical schools. Now I don't know if any of the Cork babies went because the report is talking about the ones that came, the babies that had died in the Dublin Union Workhouse and associated institutions. Now, there's also a part in the report that came out from Galway. Um, and before I get to that, it, it, the bodies were rarely buried, by the way, within the specific time either. The, the report found that the number of babies were transferred for studies from Dublin institutions before the legal time limit had passed. That's the 48R1. Uh, and then it, the, those involved did not believe that the corpses used for these studies should be later buried in the same way as other burials. And this is the point that really got to me. In a 1961 letter, the Galway County Chief medical officer argued that the separate burial of each body after dissection would prove very costly and indeed wasteful of graveyard space. Wasteful of graveyard space. A little baby who in some cases had been born dead, others had lived 
for a short period of time. They were sent off for dissection. Medical students, okay, you know, hopefully gained some knowledge for it. And then when they were finished, they were no longer of any use to the medical students. Here we have the Galway County Chief Medical Officer saying that it would be wasteful of graveyard space and it would be costly to bury the remains. Nothing to indicate what they then did with what was left. It's just... The Galway Medical School, uh, by the way, they they hold records from uh, 1909 to 1997, did not include children. But the commission found that the remains of 35 children were supplied by a porter from Galway Central Hospital. And then a further record showed that 86 children from the Toome Children's Hospital died at the Galway Central Hospital. And there's only burial records for 50. So you'd straight away uh, take, you wonder of the other 36, what happened to them. But my God... I'm not saying all of the babies went for dissection, but it certainly would explain why there are no uh, known remains for a no burial site for some of the children, doesn't it? Absolutely shocking. 1850 As I say, we will play out um, Anne O'Gorman's interview after 12 today. If you want to hear the uh, full interview, um, Anne, who had her baby 48 years ago and, her re- and, who, and whose baby died in Besberg, she gives her reaction to what came out of the report. Also on the programme today, we look ahead to tomorrow, it being Good Friday. Um, we are talking uh, with new. We're going back to Newmarket. Newmarket was the town last year that decided the pubs decided not to open their pubs, even though it was the first time in ninety-one years, wasn't it? The drink was allowed to be sold on Good Friday. So we're checking in with Newmarket to see are they going to remain closed tomorrow? Further delays to the national broadband plan. Do we need to start all over again? I mean, we've the Taoiseach saying it's going to cost three billion, even though he's in the papers today. So, no, I didn't really say three billion, did I? Yes, you actually did. But anyway, do we? Do, do, there's only one bidder left. I mean, does that mean the one bidder that's left can charge what they like at this stage? Do we need to go back to back to basics, get rid of this one, and just start all all, all over again? Or if we do that, is it going to make it more costly, and will we just have further delays? Fears that the Fair Deal scheme could run out of funds. This was a headline story in the Irish Independent uh, earlier this uh, week. They allow every year for a certain number of people that they expect are going to go into Fair Deal. By February, they'd already reached this year's limit. That's not to say that all of those people will still be under Fair Deal by the end of the year. But it's just, it's worrying the that we could run out of funds for fair deal. So we'll look at that on the programme today. Um, but there's a call to pick litter to get fitter. This is a campaign that started in Mallow last year and they're doing it again tomorrow for Good Friday. There's also another caller wants to talk to us about problems they're having with the National Driving Licence Service. I don't know if anybody else is having problems with that. You know, the new way now, if you need to renew your driver's licence, the old way was you went into the Garda station, didn't you? You got the form filled in and stamped. You popped your, you went in and you got your, your mug shot taken inside the chemist or the Photoshop and then you sent it off and then your new your renewed driver's licence came out. New way of doing it now. You have to make an appointment. You have to go in to the centre. You get your photograph uh, taken there. But it's causing problems for some. And we're going to find out more about that. It is Thursday. So Jane Pickett, our resident vet, will answer your pet questions. And also for Thursday, a member from Garda Shikona will join us um, with uh, this week's Garda Fox. Text her in straight away saying, uh, Patricia, did the 90-year-old man that you spoke about yesterday on the programme did um, 
Bernadette's dad get a bed. I've been thinking about him all at night. Uh, Bernadette, is Bernadette on the line? Is she there? Oh, Bernadette is yeah. here. Uh, hi, Bernadette. Uh, good morning, Patricia. Good, well, Thank you so much. Well, well, how did your dad get on yesterday? My father was eventually allocated a bed at quarter to six, which was virtually now 21 hours later. Oh, now, the hospital was second to none. But what I had done in the afternoon was I did meet with the director of nursing. I did meet with the head of the A&E. They were extremely apologetic. And I said, it wasn't your problem. You know, you didn't create the problem. It's the actual administration, the TDs, the government creates this problem. And they they were saying, yeah, but we they, 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 they were, sorry, I'm tired stage. They were saying basically, yeah, but we need to solve this problem for you, but we can't solve it. So I said basically what we need to do is we need to run a national campaign, right? They thought it was a brilliant idea and support our nurses, of, you know, and support the doctors and everybody like on the A&E front, like, and try and change it. Now, this, the strange ironic thing was, when I rang the politicians, I actually got above to Dublin, I was getting calls down from Dublin saying, oh, we send emails and the hospital and we see what we can do for your dad. And I went back to the, the admin, the, the head of nursing in, in the, excuse me, in the A&E and she said, I'm terribly sorry but irrespective of who would ring you now we can't give him a bed because there's no bed there. So I ring the politicians back and I say, look I'm, I appreciate what you're saying but unfortunately what you're saying isn't going to make sense because they can't allocate what they haven't got. Yeah, I mean the the Pope the Pope could have rang yesterday Absolutely. to say give Bernadette's dad dad a bed. And I mean I'm reading in, in the papers today uh, up to yesterday there was 378 patients st- stuck is the word I read in one of the papers in hospitals awaiting a place in a nursing home. Now I hate that word bed blockers. I absolutely oh, hate I it. Delayed dis- delayed discharges. These are people. That's three hundred and seventy eight beds that should be available, and one of those should have been available as soon as your dad went into hospital. If the delayed discharges could have been moved on to nursing home care that's or moved correct. on absolutely. home care packages, whatever they need. That's yep. where that's where the sti- that's where the problem is. The traffic jam is getting patients who no longer need the bed. Yeah, getting them moved on. It's crazy. And, and yeah, people at that age, like my dad's age, right, they should be seen in the community hospital where they have some sort of an A&E in a community hospital. I think basically what we need to do is unravel the, the health system as it is and put in logic, bring in some logic to how it's going to work. We're, after all, we're supposed to be a first-class nation with a third-class hospital system. Yeah, this is the twist of it all now. I had, right, a secretary Right, ring me this morning, and it's going to be from. I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to. Jim Daly's secretary rang me this morning at half a stage, yeah, and told me that they had sent an email to the hospital to see how they could facilitate my father. I said to them, I asked the question, I said, Is he not the minister for the elderly? No, he's not. I said, What is he the minister of? He's the minister for the older people. This is what's wrong with Ireland. There is no difference in my book between the difference between an elderly person and an older person. It still means it's, the same thing. It's the thing. same thing, yeah. Okay. All right. Somebody's saying well done to to Bernadette and isn't Bernadette's dad lucky yeah. that he's got somebody to advocate on his behalf? What about a poor old dear who'd be on who's probably but still on a trolley and doesn't have anybody to advocate? And someone else points out, did Bernadette say yesterday that her dad had private health insurance? He does, doesn't he? Yeah, 
He does indeed. Yeah, and that, yeah, it makes no difference. If there isn't a bed, no, there isn't a bed. All right, but the good news is, the good news is he has a bed. He's, and how is he doing? He, when he was, he was well, obviously very shook, exhausted. So what we had to do that we did last night, we, we just left him there and we just let him sleep because he okay. was completely worn out. Okay. And my poor mother was only 88, who was 89, right? Didn't sleep at all because she's wandering the floors, worrying, is he going to be okay? I know, I'm I know. taking him home, you know, and I think, it's okay, mom, he's got a bed now. No. But the ironic thing was, when I brought my mom in yesterday, because my mom has health issues as well, I ended up, Taking my getting a trolley or a wheelchair for my mom to push my mom along the corridors to take her up with my dad, 3B, because she at that stage, her health was failing. You no, know, you could, you'll end up with, with, with two, two parents ne- needing yeah. hospital care. Patricia, this isn't just about my father, this is about everybody. This is about the guy next door that I don't even know or whatever, the guy that walks down the street. This is for everybody. And if we don't do something about it now, God help every one of us. Because we're all going to be old one day. And if this is how the system treats the elderly people or the vulnerable people, Ireland has lost who we are supposed to be. I thought we were supposed to be a nation of democracy. We haven't a clue what democracy means. Maybe the ordinary jokes looked up, but certainly the politicians. And I think people now need to stand and vote with their feet and with their voice when the politicians come to the door and demand, like we did with water rates, we want change. We demand change. We, the taxpayers, demand that you listen to the voice of the people if you want to stay in government. Otherwise, the political landscape Ireland is going to completely change. This is not no longer about personalities. This should be about people first. Okay. Bernadette, uh, listen, have a happy Easter. Kind regards to, to your dad and, and to your mum. And uh, thanks for once again joining us on the programme. Right, Good morning so to you. Bye-bye, bye-bye. And thank you to people who've been contacting us who had been thinking about Bernadette's dad last night. I just think it was the thought of a 19-year-old and a 90-year-old and God help us to hear, to hear Bernadette say he was disorientated yesterday and probably frightened. And you just, you don't want to think of any elderly man in a situation like that. By the way, we have been experiencing very high volume of calls this morning, particularly to the 1850 uh, number and to the office line so if you're having problems getting through you can always contact us on our Facebook private messenger on our Twitter at C103 Cork and don't forget you can also email the programme uh, Cork Today at uh, C103.ie and you can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103 on Besber texter says my worry in relation to Besber and the issue of not being able to find the burial sites is that the babies actually lived and may have been given for adoption here or in the US is horror of horrors yeah will we ever get to the bottom of exactly what happened to every one of the children but there's always been that theory and that worry that some of the babies the mothers were told the baby had died but instead they were adopted and um, the babies that went to the medical hospitals for medical research and dissection by students Michael said those babies who went to hospital students etc for research um, they were never buried they just went into the hospital incinerator it was standard practice at the time This is the Court Today replay on C103. Now this week the Communications Minister Richard Bruton confirmed that a recommendation on the National Broadband Plan would be made, would not be made this week. That was despite a previous commitment from the Taoiseach that a decision would be made before the Easter break. Labour's former spokesperson on communications is local doll deputy Sean Sherlock who joins me. Good morning to you Sean. Good morning Patricia. Now Sean, last year I spoke to you when you described the broadband plan as a shambles. Do we need to draw a line onto this current option and do we just need to start all over again? 
It, it looks likely at this stage, but the leaking of the figure or the selective leaking of the figure of three billion into the public domain, I think, was designed by the Taoiseach to kind of socialise people around the fact that this is going to cost three billion. And, and that's a shocking cost uh, by, by any standard, because uh, when the broadband scheme uh, when Pat Rabbit was minister, it was going to come in at something like half a billion, 500 million approximately. And now we're being told five years later that it, you know, over 25 years that it's going to cost 3 billion. And I actually don't believe that the cost is going to stop at 3 billion because if you look at the number of homes that are left to be covered, it's 540,000 homes. And they're saying this will be done over 25 years. But 25 years is such a long time frame that you don't know where the technology is going to go. Uh, you know, and, and what that says is that they're going to have a target of approximately 20,000 houses uh, per annum. And, and, and I don't believe that they're going to be able to do this in, in 25 years necessarily, because I think what will happen is I think the technologies will change. Uh, they've refused to countenance any other options except fibre to the home. Now, that's fibre to the home is fine if you're living in, say, in the heart of a town or a city. But if you're but in if, a very rural area. But if you're in a very rural yeah. area, the, I mean, like it works out approximately at 6,000 euros. If you take 3 billion over 25 years, uh, you know, it's approximately 6,000 euros per house. But it's not going to cost you 6,000 euros per house in a large town, you know, and it's going to cost you way more than... 6,000 euros if you want to get to a hard-to-reach area. So we've always been saying that they need to look at, they now need to look at, you know, wireless technology because wireless technology clearly works. We, we have 3G mobile technology. We have 4G. We now have 5G coming yeah, on stream. So we don't know what kind of capacity. It's almost is changing yet. year on year. It's, it's year you know, on year. Yeah. And, we, and we don't know within the, like, within the next 25 years, the technology is going to move on so much that you could be talking about 7 or 8 or 9G. And the, the bandwidth or the capacity or your ability to download, you know, within that spectrum, because spectrum is the radio spectrum in which, you know, mobile telephony works. That's how your mobile works from, you know, one mast to another, if you will, and you can build out bandwidth within that technology that allows you to download and upload. And, you know, we already know that you can get very significant upload speeds where you have that uh, wireless technology. So I, I, I believe that this three billion, this formula at present, where you have one uh, bidder left in the process who is now going to have a monopoly on 540,000 houses, where within that structure, uh, you know, we won't even own the own the network after the 25 years. Even though, it, even though it, it, Leo Varadkar, just for just for clarity's sake, I mean, he did early on in the week say that it could cost three billion. Then he came out yesterday and said that he it won't cost three billion. But he did say that there'll be an option to buy out the services in 25 That's exactly years. It. Yeah, he says that, however, and I quote directly from him, at that point, after the 25 years, government has the option to buy. And what he's saying is, as this is not a commercial piece of infrastructure, one would expect that to be a relatively inexpensive proposition. Well, myself and Mr. Varadkar would be well off the pitch in 25 years' time, you know, so it's easy. That's, you know, easy talk, easy words to say. But at the end of the day, like what we really want here is a national broadband plan that delivers the, the uh, required bandwidth uh, and capability within every house. And they're 
fixated on fibre to the home. Fibre to, to the home, while it's the best technological solution, it isn't the only solution, but it is, it appears to be the most expensive solution because it can be done cheaper. And I don't know why we are now down to the wire with one uh, broadband because if, provider. And if we're also down to one bidder, can that bidder literally charge what they like? Well, you see, the, 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 what we don't have details on is when, once the infrastructure is up and running, because that's where most of the costs are going to be, yeah. is building out the infrastructure, is what will the nature of the network be? In other words, will, 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 if Granahan McCourt own the network, if you will, or operate the network, will they, are they wholesaling that then to, let's say, the Vodafones, the Trees, or the Airs, or the other, uh, you know, the other providers? providers? Yeah. And, like, what I don't understand, and this is what we don't have answers to, is that it was 800,000 houses, Air came in, did a deal, and cherry-picked for 300,000 houses. We're now down to 540,000 houses. But, in the county of Cork, as we speak, I, if there isn't a week that goes by that I don't get a call from somebody who won't be covered by the national broadband scheme, but whose broadband coverage is absolutely less than optimum. In other mm. words, they, they might have upload or download speeds of two, two or three, you know, uh, megabytes or whatever, you know, and it's, it's, it's just, uh, you know, crazy. So what I would be saying is that, I mean, it's, it, it's going to be more than three billion over the 25 years, because what the devil in the detail here is the fact that they haven't told us what it will cost after year 25. Yeah. And, you know, three billion over 25 uh, years is, is approximately, you know, 6,000 per house. I mean, that seems to me to be an extraordinary uh, figure given the way the technology uh, is moving. So I think ultimately, I, I think this thing is going to run into the ground. Uh, and I, I, we've, we've been saying for a while now that there is this thing called what they call services of general interest, where to get or come around the, the single market rules or, or unfair state aid rules that you can actually, because this is such a, a vital piece of infrastructure, it's vital to everyday lives now, that you could actually get the state to invest using the state's own entities like ESP, ESP for yeah. instance, which has the network, and, and, and give them the money to do this, and you could finance that out over 25 oh, years. Almost but a little bit like ro- rural electrification and what we did back then. Absolutely. Yeah. That's exactly the, 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 the comparison. Because, you know, we now know that you can't live without the internet, you can live without the internet, but, you know, connectivity, everything that you do, your online business and so on, banking, postal services, you know, interacting with the department, various government departments, local authorities, it's moving more rapidly to an online space. So, in essence, Patricia, I think, I, I can't see how the taxpayer is going to countenance a three billion spent over this period of time. They're now saying that they're not rolling out uh, this program until after Easter, they're not making any announcements. So we are still devoid of any details. Anytime I asked the question of government as to what the cost was, they said it was commercially sensitive. But yet they were able to tell us, you know, that it was going to cost three billion. And even at that, we don't know what the cost per year for every single year of those 25 years okay. will be. So a lot uh, of questions. A lot, and so as I say, nothing's going to happen this side of Easter. We're, we're going to have to wait and we will certainly come back to this again no, at the I end of the month. I think this will be... But, uh, so, 
sorry, pardon me. I think this will be dragged out, uh, Patricia. I think they'll, this could be dragged out till after the local elections because this is a hot and heavy issue on the doorsteps now. And I think Fine Gael and government councillors are, are getting it in the neck because they just haven't delivered on this one. You know, it's a, it's a big okay. issue in rural Ireland. OK, before I let you go, I did introduce you as the former spokesperson on communications for Labour. You are, of course, now the spokesperson on justice, uh, children and uh, youth affairs. So I take it you had a very keen interest in the report that came out yesterday and in particular from our own Cork end from, from Besber. Would, would you like to see excavation done in Besber? I would like to see geophysical testing. Uh, I would like to see excavations if that is possible. And I asked some months ago, uh, I asked Minister Zappone if the same principles that applied in Tume would be applied to Bespera. And I think that they should. Now, you can do the geophysical testing, as I understand the technology, uh, which would, uh, you know, give you uh, some... Uh, status in relation to whether or not there are human re- remains. We're being told that out of 900 children that there was only one buried there. Or, or the minister is saying that it is, or the commission then itself is saying that it's highly likely that there were children buried there. On that basis alone, if the commission is saying that it's highly likely that there were babies buried there, then it would be our view that you do need to have some form of excavation or some sort of geophysical or geothermal testing to at least, you know, at least, uh, you know, to, to exhaust that question. Because if that but question the, commission, the, the commission say they didn't consider it feasible because of the size of the, uh, I mean, Bedsburg, there's 60 acres and to, up to 200 acres covered by the former estate. The estate right. is too and, big. And that's right. And that is accepted. But on, on the 60 acres, there is no reason why you could not do the geophysical testing, which would, you know, I, 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 that is not necessarily an excavation. That can be done through, you know, the technologies that they use. I'm not entirely sure how that works, but it doesn't, as I understand it, uh, you know, require, you know, massive excavations. The, the key question here is, are we going to let another generation go by whereby in 25 or 30 years' time, somebody will be saying, why didn't this generation of politicians not properly examine the site of Bespera? Because there is the risk that there are a number of human remains there. It's even upsetting even talking about it, like the fact that we talk so technocratically about human remains. But the fact is that if the Commission said it is highly likely, then it would be my view that the, the Minister of the Day, Catherine Zappone, and the Government of the Day, you know, should respond to that. And I think that the same principles that apply to Tume should apply at least to Besborough. And if that only means doing some sort of maybe partial excavations, you know, uh, you know, based on, you know, uh, historical maps or so on, then I think that should be done. I think we owe it to the memory of of, of 900 uh, children, you know, to at least do that. And I don't see that. I don't think cost should be a factor in all of this. I think it's something that you need to do because history, I think, would demand of, of us to do that. Do you believe that there are clearly those who know more than they're letting on? Yes. And the Commission, I think, was very clear about saying that, uh, you know, the interested parties, if I could coach my language a little bit, uh, you know, were were less than forthcoming in respect of information about where children uh, went. And I I just caught some of your earlier comments in respect of this piece, you know, where, you know, were these children 
sent out for adoption. You know, where are all the files? There is somebody somewhere who knows the history of this. And the commission is very clear about saying that people were less than forthcoming uh, in respect of, of, of information in respect of Bespera. Like, we, we, no longer do we live in a society where you can just gloss over these things now. History demands that information uh, it, it comes to the fore and that there is transparency. Because if we don't answer those questions in our generation or part of my generation of politicians, it, the next generation will answer, will ask those questions. And I think that, you know, I think we, we owe it to those 900 souls, if I can use that. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I think we all yeah, do. We do absolutely, absolutely. Listen, we leave it there, Sean. Thank you for that, thanks, and uh, thanks uh, for joining us. That is uh, Cork East uh, Doll Deputy uh, Sean Sherlock. Court today on C one o three with Walker Hearing Clinic in the Consultants Private Clinic at CUH Hearing Care and Wax Removal. See WalkerHearingClinic.ie. Every Friday, we're counting down to the weekend. The weekend. By turning up the feel good. C103's Feel Good Friday brings you six hours of Feel Good Greatest Hits. Join Nick Richards from One and Martina O'Donoghue from Four. As we get you weekend ready. Weekend ready. Turning up the feel good for Cork. For Cork. Every Friday from One. Feel Good Friday, only on C103. Apologies, I ran over there with my interview with uh, Sean Sherlock, but I think it was important that we spoke to uh, Sean about Besber and about the Commission's uh, report that came out uh, yesterday. So we're going to push forward the interview that we were going to do on Fair Deal and the Fair Deal scheme and what's happening with the Fair Deal scheme. And we'll do that after ele- the news at 11 o'clock. I know Michael's been on Saint You gave a figure of uh, 300 plus who are awaiting nursing home beds. Where are the beds? those patients left to go into hospital. Furthermore, how many nursing home beds were available? I bet it's a lot more than 300 plus. Well, actually, Ty Daly from Nursing Homes Ireland is going to join us. So he he's always great at how many figures are available and what beds are available and how much of it is delays with Fair Deal. We'll be interested to find out. So we will get to that issue and a lot more. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Now this week the Irish Independent newspaper ran a front page story about the rising cost of funding the fair deal for nursing home care with demand for the scheme soaring. Tyke Daly of Nursing Homes Ireland joins me with his reaction uh, to this uh, story. Good morning to you Tyke. Good morning Patricia. Uh, and, and you're welcome. Uh, the department expects to spend one billion euro on the yes. fair deal scheme for this year. Will that be enough? Well, evidently, based on, on what we're hearing this week, it won't be at this point in time. Uh, I suppose we were concerned when the HSE service plan was published back in December of last year. In effect, what the department were and the HSE were providing for was 91 additional people nationwide. So clearly, uh, the population is growing and, and living longer, which is to be celebrated. Uh, and that is going to put increased demand on a whole range of services, including Fair Deal. And because you can never definitively say how many people will need Fair Deal, you can't look at January and say this year we're going to have so many people needing Fair Deal. For that reason, is it very hard for the, for the HSE to allocate an actual figure? Well, they should be able to project with some degree of certainty, but, you know, they're way, way out in their projections for 2019 based on, on the figures to date. Um, I mean, uh, what we're looking at at the moment is, you know, as I said, the population is ageing. Uh, 
ballpark, something in the order of 3.4% of the population over 65 will will require residential care. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I think based on figures now over the last 10 years of fair deal, it should be relatively straightforward. Uh, and, you know, one would give them some latitude being out, uh, you know, maybe a few, uh, but being out by two or 300 people. On, on a scheme of that magnitude um, and the impact it will have on older people directly and also the impact it has across the entire acute hospital system. You know, it's unforgivable, really, that they would be in April of this year talking about a, a slowdown in, in, in financial approvals. Because they, 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 the HSE target is to support 23,042 people in 2019. Now, by right. February, they'd already surpassed that number. And, and Tyke, is, is that down to people living longer rather than new applicants? Uh, it's a combination of both, absolutely. Uh, it, it, it's, it's not necessarily new applicants, is what I'm hearing, uh, is, is, is that uh, the HSE uh, talk of last year, there was more uh, RIPs effectively in, in nursing homes last year because of the bad winter. Uh, so it is, um, you know, people are most definitely living longer. But the age profile of people coming to nursing homes and the dependency is such that they're more complex and, and, and more sick. Uh, but again, you see figures today where of the people who are delayed discharge, you know, almost 70% of those are awaiting nursing home care. So, 378 uh, patients are stuck in yeah. hospitals awaiting a nursing home. I mean, I'm sure you, your listeners and indeed yourself has, have covered this over the last while, uh, University of Limerick uh, and yeah. more recently uh, CUH in Cork, our university hospital. Uh, both of those have had serious issues over the last number of weeks and it's clearly evident now why that is the case because you have large numbers of people who should be out in the community, uh, whether it's in their own home or in nursing home care, who are, who are um, unnecessarily uh, maintained in the acute hospital. And it is down to, it is down to funding. Um, uh, I mean, the government have given a commitment a number of years ago. If you go back uh, six, seven years ago, the waiting time was about 16 weeks. And that had a huge impact, obviously, across the, the acute hospital system. Government policy is that it, while it is a demand-led scheme, it will be down to four weeks. Um, and what I'm hearing in the system is that it's probably pushed out to six or seven weeks at this point in time. So, um, you know, the minister has to act pretty quickly, is our view. Um, there's two issues. Yeah, because one, one, because one is more money, uh, but, but, but also better planning. But when, when we're looking at those figures, I mean, the HSE yesterday confirmed there were 620 patients in hospitals who are d- delayed di- discharges. They're medically ready to leave, but yes. there's no suitable step-down facility. And out, when you break down the figures, 378 are waiting for a nursing home. Are they waiting for a nursing home in that they're waiting for the fair deal to kick in or are they literally, are there no beds? No, my reading of it and well, two, two points. One is there are most definitely beds available. Uh, maybe not in, in every location in the country um, but again, people make the point that all the beds aren't beside the acute hospitals but all of the residents or all of the patients rather in the acute hospitals are not from that, that area. You might have people in, in, in Cork Hospital who are from Bantry or Buffalo. They can be from all over Munster. Exactly, exactly. So definitely there are beds available and yes, my understanding of the HSE's uh, position based on, on what they've said in the public domain and also from my own contacts with them is that those 378 are awaiting financial approval for fair deal. Wow, so there are delays on, on fair deal? Absolutely, you know, and it is evident. I mean, there's a pricing review ongoing, there's a value for money review ongoing. The public cost of care is running at 60% higher than, than the private. So, uh, you know, we would argue that the existing budget, while it is stretched, uh, you know, there, there, there are definitely efficiencies or inefficiencies rather in the public system. 
Um, so the fair deal is 10 years old this year. It's hard to believe. Um, you know, there's quite a number of reviews ongoing, as I said, in terms of the pricing review, in terms of the, the Comptroller and Auditor General, uh, and also the, the Department of Health are doing a value for money review. So all of those need to feed in to ensure that we have a fit-for-purpose scheme that supports people when they need it. Um, because if we don't, uh, what we're going to have is all of the talk of Schlante care, while very welcome and positive, will be set to nothing uh, if we can't have a well-functioning, uh, well-supported, well-structured and funded nursing home sector. Okay, and Susan uh, says it's shocking to hear of people in hospital beds awaiting for nursing home while you have people stuck on trolleys in A&E desperately waiting to get into those beds. We know we have an ageing population. What are the government doing to plan for the future for the ageing population? I mean, are there plans in place, Ty? Well, unfortunately, they're not. I mean, we've, you've heard me on this programme and others indeed, Patricia, talking to yourself about, we, we've long called for the establishment of a forum on long-term care. Uh, so you should have the likes of ourselves, the HSE, HICWA as the regulator, Age Action, for example, and the department sitting around the table saying, OK, you know, we know the figures, we know there will be increased demand on health and social care, and indeed other services, pensions, housing, etc. Um, and the minister recently did some work on housing. But it, it's not, you know, to use that awful phrase, it's not joined up. Um, and if I'm a nursing home provider in the morning, there's no certainty in what the future will look like. Um, so, in effect, many of the current policies are acting as a disincentive to the sector, which which is causing a lot of anxiety uh, among our among our members, and ultimately uh, anxiety among older people. And your your caller is quite correct there. I mean, it is really shocking uh, for a country that we have people in hospital. There are beds available in the community. People want and need to be out in the community, but just can't can't be uh, facilitated to do so. Okay. Um, it really does does beggar belief. And I mean, you know, we did get over the the, the winter hump. You know, with in fairness to the HSE and indeed our members responded well around January and February. But we're into April now, and we're still talking about three hundred and seventy eight people who are on who are waiting in a nursing home bed. Yeah. All right, uh, Tyg, we leave it there. We'll talk again. Thank you for indeed, that. Thank you. For, thank Thanks you for joining us. That is, uh, but good morning, Tyg. Daily of uh, nursing home uh, Ireland's and uh, while Tig is specifically talking about the people that need nursing home care and, and that figure of 378 but if you take 378 are waiting on nursing home are in a bed waiting for a nursing home but yet the HSE confirmed there are 620 who are delayed discharges so obviously almost 300 patients are in hospital beds and the, the step-down facility they're looking for, they want to go home. They're looking for home care uh, packages and the latest figures on home care packages, the waiting list for home care is even longer. It's at around 6,000 people who have been assessed as needing some level of home support and they're in a queue and they've been in that queue since the end of February. I mean, at any one time, about 52,000 people are receiving HSE home uh, supports, but certainly it just does not seem to be enough. We were talking about people on trolleys earlier. Uh, Jim by text says Patricia my own dad of 83 years of age spent four days on a trolley in a corridor in Limerick Regional Hospital a few months ago and he also like your previous caller had private health insurance didn't make any difference and the only time he left the trolley was when he had a seizure and he was in the treatment room for a few hours but then he had to go back on the trolley again as another patient after an operation was given the bed and he ended up spending four days on a trolley and that's with private health insurance. 1850 John Paul takes your call. C103 Jobs. 
Pipe fitters are wanted for the East Cork area. Ability to read ISO drawings and experience in the pharma industry would be an advantage. While construction workers are wanted to work in Cork City, experience of working with tradesmen on site and own transport is necessary. Home Instead Senior Care, they're recruiting caregivers in Formoy, Mitchellstown, Kilworth and Araglam. And full and part-time waiting staff are wanted for the Harbour Bar in uh, LEP. You'll find more details and other job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Court today on C103. With- a lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Walker Hearing Clinic in the Consultant's Private Clinic at CUH. Hearing care and wax removal. See walkerhearingclinic.ie. Nick Richards on C103 and Guinness Storehouse give you the chance to win. Chance to win. Guinness Storehouse will soon welcome its 20 millionth visitor and to celebrate, they're opening their doors for one night only. On Saturday, April 27th, Guinness Storehouse After Dark comes alive with some of Ireland's best up-and-coming music acts. Enjoy a light spectacular across the city and a Guinness and food feast. We've got a pair of tickets to give away, plus an overnight stay at the Clayton Hotel, Charlemont. Listen to Nick Richards weekdays from 1 to win with Guinness Storehouse After Dark. Win with Guinness Storehouse After Dark on C103. Over 18s only. Enjoy alcohol sensibly. Visit drinkaware.ie. Now, this time last year, the country was gearing up for the sale of alcohol on Good Friday, following the state lifting a then 91-year ban on publicans serving drink. Going against the norm, six publicans in the North Cork town of Newmarket decided not to open and to keep up the tradition. John Scanlon of Scanlon's Bar in Newmarket uh, rejoins me on the programme to give us his plans for what he's going to do tomorrow for Good Friday for this year. Good morning to you, John. Morning, Patricia. Now, John, I'm very well. To close or not to close, that is the question. What are you doing tomorrow? Over St. Thaws. We're keeping the tradition up. So, um, we were always kind of leaning on the side of being closed anyway, but every, I suppose you must look at it from, from year to year. Uh, Republican must look at it from year to year, see what they offer up. But we just we decided we'd stay closed again now this year just to keep the tradition up and have our day off. What reaction did you get to staying closed last year? We got a great reaction, to be honest. I suppose it, went, it kind of went worldwide. Um, it went bigger than we, any of us thought, but it kind of, I suppose it was a novelty in it. 
uh, made the headlines. But we from from locally, we got a great reaction from our customers, and uh, you know they understood this. This you know, especially in, in uh, family-run pubs, that we work hard and we put a lot of hours into it, and they understood that we wanted to keep our second day off. So we got a great reaction. And somebody was asking yesterday when it was suggested that we we contact you to bring you on to talk about what you're going to do this year. Somebody was wondering, did you lose business last year? Did anybody come and say, oh, because you're closed and I'm going somewhere else? No, no, not really. We didn't really get, a, get that reaction at all. Like, I mean, I suppose a lot of people wouldn't drink anyway on Good Friday, even even if the pubs were open. There's mm. a lot of people that just wouldn't have a drink on Good Friday. Um, and I suppose, look, with the weekend that's in, if people come out, They'll be out on Saturday and Sunday with the bank holiday weekend. So, I, you know, I don't think it made much of a difference. Um, everyone kind of understood this. You know, it, it was the publicans just wanted their, their, their day off and that they, you know, they work hard. So they understood the reasons behind this and uh, everyone just got on with it. Like. Yeah, and, and I do think for other pubs that were busy last Good Friday, a lot of it was a novelty factor. The idea, oh, I could go off a pint on Good Friday. Wasn't, wasn't, there was a sense of that. Oh, there was. Sure, it was the. I mean, it was the. It was the big thing. I mean, pubs had music and pubs had. You know, they kind of had big events on for Good Friday and they advertised it as that. But, I mean, I suppose it, the novelty will probably wear off now. Maybe this year, it's just, <laughs> maybe become a normal Friday. But yeah. Um, look, best of luck to them. I wouldn't begrudge any pub to open either. If they want to open, I wouldn't be have any problem with it. But we just decided to go. And do you? This is. Is there still six pubs in Newmarket? There were six there's last. Six week. bars. Yeah, there's still six bars. We're 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 holding tough anyway. We're done. Are they all closing? Do you know, or do you know what the others? I'm not 100 percent certain. Okay. I know there's a few bars closing, but I wouldn't be 100 percent certain at the moment. I, I I'm only speaking for myself. Yeah. Um, and can I you? But, but can you understand why pubs in cities in larger towns open? Well, I can. I suppose. Look, I suppose Easter weekend is, is a big. Um, I suppose it's a big weekend for tourism and things like that. So I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't have any problem. I can understand why. Why bars? I mean, look, there's big, there's big, uh, there's big money involved in bars in, in cities and places, and I suppose they have to, they have to, they, they want to make it as much as they can. But I suppose, look, they all have, they all have staff, and and look, people, they all have people to work for them. But I suppose in in, in rural Ireland, especially most most bars are family-run bars, and you know, a second day after the year is is is, is priceless, really. Is it something you've? You grew up in a bar. Did you, is, this is a family yeah. business. Well, yeah. even growing up, was was it something you always look forward to? Oh, definitely. Sure. I, since I was, since I could remember, you you always look forward to Good Friday because it was it was a great novelty to be closed, and you know you could do. I mean, you you be you be you could be going anywhere, or you could be. Like you would have people talking about it in the bar, but it was a, it was just, it was just a novelty. It was, it was something that the publicans really look forward to, just to get to, just to be able to recharge the batteries and you know to be able to just forget about it for a day. Like and you know, but look, I suppose it's everyone's own decision. But look, I mean, I think it's it's worth anything to just have a day off and be able to recharge the batteries. And I certainly remember when I was growing up as as a teenager, I had a very good friend of mine, and they had a family run run. Uh, pub and Good Friday was was a day where jobs were done. Yeah, well, a lot of bars would do jobs if they had them to do. You could do painting. Yeah, yeah, I remember painting being done. Yeah, yeah, on top of it. And uh, look, it's a, it's Christmas Day is another day off, but the time of Christmas it's a hectic time of year, and you probably can't shut down at Christmas because you have so much to do when you're you're getting geared up for Stephen's Day and stuff. So that's where Good Friday is kind of a bit. It's kind of a bit easier. It's kind of you can actually appreciate the day more. What will you do? How will you spend tomorrow? I don't know, really. I haven't. I haven't any any plans. Um, I suppose a lot of people go shopping and go different places, but I, I haven't anything 
anything planned yet. I might do a few jobs in the bar and things, but look, it's just the day. Uh, the thing, what's important is the day is your own, and you can do. Yeah. We can do whatever we want to it, you know, and you don't have to be rushing to open a bar or kind of watching the clock or anything like that. And did you put a sign up to say you're closed, or will customers just know? We have it. Yeah. Well, I I saw, I saw customers in Melbourne. We have a sign up in the front window. Well, just think that we're closed for for we'll try this. So just to let people know, like. Okay. Okay, but no, no, nobody. There's been no wailing or gnashing of teeth saying, "John, no, we're no, no, not yet, anyway. No, no. That is my face, anyway. And and tell us how is business in 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 Scallon's Bar in Newmarket? It's it's okay. Look, um, I mean, it's it's definitely it's definitely after picking up in the last couple of years, but um, good. It's just the you know the 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 drink driving now and things are just after kind of affected a, a, a bit, like um. It's just, I suppose, rural rural places especially especially will feel the feel that that more so. Because um, I, I guess a, like a, a lot of people, in order to come to your bar to have a few drinks and a night out, would have to drive. There's well, of course, I mean, some are in walking distance, but the majority would have to drive. Well, a lot, sure, most most rural island, the same as small towns. Yeah. I mean, people coming in from outside to come in, but it's it's definitely not not help it, but. Um, so we can't do anything about it. Um, Have you taxis th- and hackneys? There is, there, yeah, there is. There is taxis in town, yeah. There is, um, enough of them? I suppose there's never enough. Yeah. The, the, busy, the busy night will, will tell you there's never enough. I mean, uh, if there's one person waiting for, 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 for too long, they'll say there isn't enough. But like, in fairness, there is taxis and they are providing service. But it's just, I suppose people in rural land, especially, they like, they like doing their own thing. Especially maybe during the week, people want to come out for a pint or two and they can't. They're not going to be maybe booking taxi that quick, or people mightn't be around. So it's just it, it is affected that way, maybe. Um, so you're you're busy. You you do good trade, I assume, on the weekend. But the weekdays are tough going for rural well, the pubs. Weekdays can be they can be very hit and miss. I mean, you could be busy at night, and you could be quiet, and and I mean, your passing trade is probably is probably gone. Um, do you know, people maybe that come to town for a match or something like that, or do you know, they yeah. probably can't. They probably won't call, you know, because they'd be they'd be too worried. Like people are, you know, people are terrified of of um, of being caught now. And it's kind of look, it's I we want look. It's just that that's the law, and we just have to we have to mm. abide by it now. Well, if you're caught now, John, you're off the road for three months. And if you're living well, in a rural area, that's okay. In an urban area, you can you know you can get on a bus or a train. But if you're in a rural area and you're off the road for three months, that can be devastating. Oh, sure, it's worth it. Um, I mean, you could your job could be gone overnight. I mean, yeah. you could be caught. Cut today and your job is gone. I mean, if you have to drive to work, so it's just it's. I don't know. I think the the the. I don't know the the link between rural Ireland and and uh, and the kind of Dublin is probably getting probably getting wider, unfortunately. And it, look, the, the understanding is kind of is going a bit like, but it's it's you know it's it's um it's very difficult for people, but I don't think they realise that. Mm. To be honest. Yeah, and we've got all the talk of uh, rural isolation and, you know, um, a, an elderly man who might like to go down and have a few pints, not able to do that anymore. And, and so he's stuck. He might not see anyone from one week to the next. No, and that's, I mean, that's the main thing. Look, the bar's publicans might feel hit, but look, publicans might recover. But I mean, it's the it's, it's a person that doesn't see anyone from one hour of the day to the other. And yeah. they, they want to come to town for a few pints. And they're, they're I mean, they're badly caught. That's, that's, who, that's who was affected, like. Yeah. You know, okay, mean, but you are but you are seeing you are seeing a pick up. Well, the last couple of years is definitely after picking up. I think. Yeah. I think there's definitely definitely a pick up in it, but um, well, hopefully it'll just it, it, it hopefully it'll continue. Like, but everything seems to be gravitating towards the cities and things like that. So you don't want to be kind of a bit worried about that. But we can only keep going. 
Yeah, and the amount of tourists that come to this country and they talk about the you know the little Irish pub. I mean, they they they're the ones that you find in rural Ireland. They're they're not coming for the big ones in the city. They want the ones in rural Ireland. No, well, they like to yeah. walk the beach. Yeah, of course they do. Of course they do. So have you any? So have you have you entertainment over the Easter weekend? Or yeah, I have I have music um, Saturday night. I have a very good band there, uh, uh, Tim Milan and Con O'Connor. So they're. They're, uh, they're two very good musicians, so I'd have them Saturday night, so it might, might uh, hopefully bring a few people out. Okay. All roads lead, le- lead into Scanlon's Bar on Saturday okay. night for the music. Listen, uh, John, we appreciate you taking time out to talk to no us. Problem. Have a happy Easter and enjoy your day off tomorrow. No problem. Thanks very much. <laughs> God bless. Take, Take care. care. Bye-bye. John Scanlon there of Scanlon's Bar in uh, Newmarket keeping up the tradition we don't know of the other pubs in Newmarket if they're closing or not or if we've heard of any other bars if you know of any other bar are you working in a bar are you it's a family run bar and you've decided to hold to keep up the tradition and close tomorrow let us know uh, the easiest way is to try to mention the bars that are closing rather than the bars that are opening somebody says can alcohol be bought in shops tomorrow yeah when they lifted the 91 year ban Last year on pubs, it was also lifted on the sale of alcohol. Alcohol is allowed to be sold as per a normal Friday. It can be bought tomorrow, which which reminds, brings me back to, cause, considering it's only gone a year. Do you remember that um, Holy Thursday? There'd be queues outside off licences. I'm assuming off licences are the big losers of the bars being opened tomorrow. But people would be buying drink to stock up on Good Friday as if there was no tomorrow as if a bar was never going to open again I don't know what it is in our psyche that we have to have all of the alcohol in so I take it the real losers of the Good Friday ban being lifted are the off licence but yes to that listener who wants to know about buying drink if you need your drink you can get it in the off licence or in the shops or the supermarkets now I want to clarify something because we got some calls in about Big Tom the late great Big Tom uh, earlier. We got some calls in because there is a story doing the rounds on Facebook that, you know, the Big Tom statue that was put up to in his hometown and to remember Big Tom and, and all of that. We got a number of calls to say that the story was on the internet that somebody had stolen the Big Tom statue in uh, Castle Blaney. The story was that diggers took the statue and gone. And kind of a little bit like what the diggers are doing with the ATM machines. But instead of an ATM machine, they decided to attack Big Tom statue. Now, what they would want to rob Big Tom statues for, for, for I don't know. Maybe they're going to put it up for a ransom note or whatever. Anyway, we've looked into it and it's not true. It's a fake story. It is false news, fake news. The statue was not stolen because I imagine it would have been a very... It would be very difficult to take a statue like that. But then, you know, having just mentioned ATM machines, they can get ATM machines out with diggers. I suppose if somebody desperately wanted Big Tom's statue, as I say, why they would want it, I don't know. But I suppose where there's a will, there is a way. 1850 Nancy says, I thought they were closing the bars for religious reasons. But uh, John just seems to want a uh, day off. Well, I suppose people close, will, those that will decide to close bars will close, some will close for religious reasons, absolutely, but others will do it purely to get a day off. Publicans and family run pubs, there's two days in the year, as John pointed out. So, you know, um, 
I don't, there could be religious reasons beside it as well but it seems to be it's more of a family day and he wants a uh, family day OK John Paul is taking your calls at 1850 text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103 And Sergeant John O'Leary from Mallow Garda Station joining us in uh, studio this morning for this week's uh, Garda File Good morning to you John morning. Uh, You're very welcome and you want to start with a piece on rogue traders Yes, Patricia, this thing keeps cropping up. Uh, it was in the news yesterday. They were targeted by Kevin. moving a little bit into that microphone uh, there, yeah. Yeah, uh, these criminals, as I call them, uh, and they're, they're un- totally undesirables. They're preying on the, the, the vulnerability of the elderly and, and vulnerable people. And uh, what's happening lately is they're posing as reputable businesses uh, coming to collect money or to do jobs for you, uh, doing power washing, tree felling jobs. And what's happening is money is being handed over for poor work or for no work. Uh, and the guys that will be back, we are going for all the machinery and we need the money handed over straight away. Now, they were let on that they're from a company that people will know normally a local company. Correct. A local, yeah. they'll, they'll have the name of a local company call out in the general area, posing from these companies and uh, not carrying out any work. Um, and there's large amounts of money being handed over to these these criminals, uh, for the want of a better description of them, like you know, um, I just appeal to neighbours, especially we all know who's living on their own. And if you see any of these persons around uh, their houses, call down. And if you don't feel like that, you can call down, ring the local station, give directions as to where they are, and we'll call out and see what is the position of these people, genuine or not, because uh, trying to find them afterwards is, is, is a hard job, like, you know. Because um, reputable companies, John, won't call door to door. No, they you, won't. You, no. you go to you a go company, to you make an appointment and then the company will come out. They will not call door to door. That's what I was just going to say is if you have work to be done, if you have tree or trees to be felled or if you have power washing or shoots or whatever to be cleaned, you go and source the person to do it yourself. There's uh, plenty of businesses around uh, to do that kind of work. But don't be taken in by people calling door to door because they're wearing a yellow vest mm. or have a logo on the side of a van. Um, I would go to the man that you know best and do get the work done. That. And the other one that they have a tendency to use is they will let on that they've just finished work at a neighbour's house up the road, thinking. So if you're thinking, "Oh, if Johnny up the road got them, they must be okay." Yeah. That's another ploy they, they use. Do that, yeah, it's just say like a tarmac Adam job. Oh, we have a bit of tarmac left. We'll do this for you, and. Uh, they, you know, they'll charge exorbitant money, like you know. It's, yeah. It's, it's okay. So just be be yeah. careful. And and the other one is, and, and I know certainly when we get contacted here about these rogue uh, traders, and when we say to people, "Have you reported it to the Gardaí?" A number of people, John, are very embarrassed yeah. that they got duped. Yeah. You've nothing to be embarrassed about. These guys are good at what they do. No, and like if you report it, it could be the one that solves it for a lot of yeah. people. So don't uh, feel embarrassed. We all make mistakes. Uh, if you if you do, make sure you report us so the guards can investigate yeah. it and, and, and take it as far as we can. Like, you know? Okay, theft from cars. This has been an ongoing uh, one, uh, particularly the theft from cars. The unopened cars is uh, is, is the one that, that yeah. everyone... It's mind-blowing that people are leaving their cars unlocked. Yeah, that was uh, one that was occurred, occurred a lot over the winter and uh, in early spring. Uh, and we've had CCTV of, again, criminals walking around estates, trying cars, and finding a car open and they could find a pot of gold or might get nothing and then move on again to another car. They're not making any noise, they're not damaging cars and it's a, an easy way of, 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 of stealing stuff from cars, like, you know. And uh, people do leave valuable items, unfortunately, in cars. Do, and people do leave, and it's hard, as you say, it's hard to believe that people don't lock cars 
it is a problem um, and I suppose the criminals will highlight a weakness mm. <laughs> uh, if they will show where security is weak and lock, not locking cars just doesn't bear thinking about it. And I, I think it's got a lot to do with because the majority of us are very trustworthy people and yeah. because we wouldn't touch somebody else's property and you drive in even just into the driveway of, of your home and you, you, you're home and you, you feel safe and yeah. I think yeah. That's why I think people think it's almost like they forget. Yeah. Whereas if you're outside a supermarket, you'd always lock, lock your car. But it, the fact that you're, you're home, well, you, you feel safe. You're in the comfort of your own home. Yeah. If you're away for a weekend staying in a hotel, you definitely wouldn't leave your car yeah. unlocked. Yeah. Even in an underground car park, if you're part of the hotel, you'll definitely lock it. As you say, you're at home, you feel comfortable. Uh, but it's just a habit. Yeah, make sure that the car is locked and all property is uh, out of sight, especially with the fine weather outside today. It makes you think about the people going for walks. You go to Donrail Park, you go to the Belly Howlers, just make sure before you leave home there is nothing visible uh, that anybody can see. Even if there's just a coat left in the back seat, they think you're hiding something and they will try break the window and they know there's nothing in the car or there is a laptop under it or a mobile phone just make sure there's nothing in the car only the four seats yeah and your you know your really nice day out with the family yeah. can be ruined if you come back and, and the yeah. windows so yeah. and so be careful where you park as yeah. well and yeah. make sure that the, 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 that it's parked properly in, in, in a secure area um, like even yesterday we had an unusual two thefts from of yeah, I, th- yeah, this is something we don't often. We, we certainly don't often report on 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 guard the file. Yeah, I've never seen it before. That particular theft. Usually, it's cars broken into. Yeah, but these were in the Morne Abbey area. Two tractors. The batteries were taken from the tractor. So, if anybody in the Nuttery area of Bunford saw anything unusual, uh, or vans around, or cars around, or people around, they shouldn't be there. And they have any numbers or anything to contact us in Mallow uh, at zero two two three one four five zero to be appreciated. And just the batteries stolen. Just the batteries. Yeah, they'll be for scrap value. Yeah. So you know, and they won't get a lot. This is the this is I the mean, galling they, part. They won't get a lot, and what it costs the person then to replace correct. it. The replacement uh, is the problem. Yeah. Okay, we are heading into uh, Easter and bank holiday traffic. Uh, always busy on the road over bank holiday, but particularly yeah. Easter. Yeah, the roads are busy anyway without any bank holiday, but especially a bank holiday over Easter. People are, you know, heading home from up the country, or are heading away on for a weekend break or a week break, seeing as the children are on holidays. And like the look, the advice is to plan your journey. Make sure if you're going a long distance that you know where you're stopping for a break. Have a coffee. If you're tired, switch drivers or stop. Have have, have your break as the ad says for 15 minutes. Maybe get a bit of shut eye and drink a cup of coffee. It, it helps because uh, fatigue is a big cause of accidents mm-hmm. on the roads. You lose your concentration. For a split second, you're gone. And you're gone. Mm-hmm. Um, again, as regards concentration, the statistics came out yesterday, which were, I couldn't believe that there was a 24% increase in the detection of mobile phone offences uh, since January of this year. So uh, January and February, sorry, January and February, there was 5,000 detections for holding mobile phones in the country, uh, and the offence is not using your mobile phone; it's holding it in your hand. You could okay. be texting, you could be looking at it, uh, you could be looking to see who calls you, but if you're holding it in your hand as you're driving, that's the offence. That's offense. the offence. It's not putting Okay, all right, ear. that's interesting, yeah. If you don't have it up to your ear talking to yeah. mammy or daddy or whoever, uh, it's it's holding it in your hand. So, But but you will know, I know whenever we, we've often discussed this on, on the programme and listeners will ring in about it, if you're stopped at a traffic light and, and look around, you can see people. It's not just even somebody taking a phone call. The stupidity of people on Facebook are sending a text message. Yeah. 
it just the, the text message is, is, is deadly dangerous because uh, you know you're you're looking at the screen what you're sending your eyes cannot be on the road like you know and you're four times more likely to have an accident yeah if you're on the mobile phone even if it's just to look to see who's ringing you you don't have to answer it even if you're looking at the phone your eyes has gone from the road to the phone for a split second and that could be the split second that disaster happens like you know um, I mean over the last four years uh, we've had eight people over the bank holiday weekend in Easter killed in road traffic accidents and 63 seriously injured and there was one year in 2017 where we had no deaths which was great but there were still six serious injury traffic accidents which a serious injury traffic accident could be a person paralysed yeah. you know it's, it's a life and they're, they're, they're the one, yeah they're the ones that we don't yeah, really don't focus on you hear about I mean, there was no that's, that's the great but the six accidents that yeah. happened life know, altering yeah. conditions yeah. are yeah. you know so look I just said to people like at the weekend there'll be more checkpoints out uh, drink drivers in Mallow district alone I couldn't believe this morning there's 30, we've had 32 since January to now we had 19 this time last year drug driving is up and I mean drug driving people driving with either cannabis cocaine or prohibited drugs in their system that's up I don't know how the message is going to get through to people. If you're drinking and driving, you're going to get caught. You might get caught the first time, the second time, the third time. But, but you, you will get, get caught. caught. Yeah. I mean, there's checkpoints everywhere. There's roads policing units out. There's our ordinary uh, mobile patrols out. So, you might, as I say, you might get away with it earlier, but uh, it's going to happen sometime. I mean, 32, we're up 13 detections in the first four months. That's eight people a month. Since and if you're caught doing driving now, you're off the road. You're off the road for three. You're off the road for three months. Depending, yeah, well, yeah. Well, three months is the, is the, is the, the minimum. Yeah, yeah so minimum you could be. Yeah, you were caught before. You could be off for four years. Yeah. So I mean, four years is a long time to be off the road. Like, yeah. You know? Yeah. And, and if you need your car for if work, you are drink driving, you deserve to be off the yeah. road because, um, like, I've been to several fatal accidents in my thirty-three years in the guards, and I can remember every one of them. And the worst of them was to go to a person's house to tell them what has happened to their loved one and I'll never forget that as long as I in the guards and even after leaving the guards uh, that's the hardest job ever is to go and tell somebody that that knock on the dead. door yeah it's, yeah. it's not easy yeah not and, easy. It, and it never gets any easier no it doesn't get any easier and you, like in fatal accidents you have the immediate family you have the friends you have the first cousins you have uh, but people don't think about the firemen that are there the ambulance people that are there and ourselves that are there that are dealing with it uh it's 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 uh, it's, not it's nice. like that ad that they show with the little boy who was killed by the drunk driver, where they sh- they go through all of the people that were affected that yeah. day. I yeah. think it's a really hard hitting ad, yeah. but it it gets at home that oh, it's yeah. while it's devastating, and yeah. the parents will never get over it. But then they, all the other people that were involved just in that one accident, and well, that was a drunk driver. I can give you the date of an accident in Port Leash back in nineteen ninety five, where a child was killed, and you know you never forget those things, like you know. Um, Every one of them, you can remember every one of them, like, you know. So, I mean, just people drinking, driving, slow down, plan your journey, take a break, uh, don't take a chance because a car or any mechanically prepared vehicle to be tractor, cars, trucks, they're a lethal weapon if they're not in the right hands and you're not properly fit to drive it. Like, I mean, the arrest is you're unfit to have control over a mechanically prepared vehicle in a public place. Mm -hmm. This is enough. Do not drink and drive. This is all I can say. Yeah, because you don't want to kill yourself. No. I, or, or I, I think the other, which is a living hell, a nightmare, is to kill somebody else yeah. and to know you did it. Yeah. 
because you consumed yeah. alcohol. Yeah, just plan your journey if you're going out for a night. I suppose the best thing is leave the keys of the car at home. Leave the car at home. Don't have any temptation to drive just because you have to go somewhere early in the morning. If you do drive, you know, make sure that you do not get into that car. Get a taxi. Um, make you get home. Get someone to bring you home, but don't drink and drive. Mm. That's all I can say. And and then on the mobile phone one, um, John. I, I always think the best thing because we, we you know it's like we need to be contacted no matter where we are either switch it off or put it in the boot just just yeah, because yeah. if you have it in the car and it starts ringing or yeah. starts beeping yeah. the urge is there to check well, it yeah, well I suppose the best thing what you said there was right switch it off yeah and then when you get to wherever you want you can turn it on and ring back it's not going to it's not a life or death situation that you don't answer the phone but you could create one yeah, you know, yeah. Okay, and you're working. You're working over Easter, yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, we'll enjoy that. Don't eat too many eggs. Okay. And uh, thanks a million for joining us in studio. That is Sergeant uh, John O'Leary from Malogar, the station. You're listening to Cork today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. There's a text in and it's a good news piece, so I want to bring it. Uh, hi, hi, Patricia. Regina, as in Minister Regina Doherty, kept her word. I got a letter in the post this morning. I'm now going to get my full state pension. It's backdated to the third... 30th of the 3rd, 2018. So over one year of back payment, any arrears to be paid later. Happy Easter. There must be an election on the way. Now, let us not be cynical. Let us not be cynical. They said they were going through the reviews. They were going to take time and they are taking time. But you certainly got to be a bit of good news just before uh, Easter. Delighted to hear that. Uh, let us know anybody else. The letters are starting to come out. Now, they're being drip fed, I have to say, because the reviews are taking much longer than was anticipated. The last time we looked at it, we were told that they had allocated and they had seconded extra staff from other departments to come in to start working on the arrears, but it, it or the reviews, but it is going to take quite some time. But the good news on all the reviews so far, about 90% are what the very same as this lady who's contacted us. They are getting the backdated money and they're getting the full state pension. So if you are one of the ones still waiting, hang in there, but you will get it backdated to the 30th of March 2018. So over a year, which is a nice little bit of a saving for you. you, you it's, it is your money, but you will you will get it uh, eventually. 1850 Now I want to go to the phone lines because Mark has contacted uh, us. Uh, good afternoon to you, Mark. How are you doing? Now, Mark, you've got a, you contacted us about a, the procedure one has to go through to apply for or to renew your driver's licence. You're not happy with the National Driver Licence Service, the NDLS. Explain why. Well, no, I'm not. Um, well, for a number of reasons. But I'll tell you why now exactly. Uh, so 10 years ago, uh, when I was renewing my licence, uh, I go to the Garda Barracks, I get my farm, I mm. go down to, uh, I live in Clonakilty, so I go down to uh, one of the local pharmacies, I get my photos, and uh, I go to the post office and I get my postal order and I stick it all in an envelope and I post it off to um, Cork County Council and uh, and then I get a licence. Okay. Okay. And now this new crowd are telling me that I can't do that anymore, I have to present in person. Uh, now, as I said, I live in Clonakilty, so I'm going to have to be uh, taking time off. Um, I run a small business. I'm working a six-day week, and um, I'm supposed to um, drive from uh, Clonakilty to Skibbereen to show up in person um, for whatever reason. I don't know. And uh, I also have a problem with it because, um, you know, we've been given this warning about um, 
how we need to change our behaviour and habits uh, over climate to avoid a climactic catastrophe. Mm-hmm. And yet um, this new service, uh, which is a misnomer, uh, but uh, is demanding that, uh, well, it's, it's, it's enforcing more car journeys on people and we should be looking at uh, encouraging people to use cars less. Yeah, and you have no choice, but you, there's three centres. You can go to Mallow, you can go to Cork City, or you can go to Skibbereen. Or to Skibbereen. Um, Skibbereen would be my nearest. Yeah, place. so, but Skibbereen then is covering the whole of West Cork. Like this. Oh, <laughs> yeah, you, you, you can go to any one of the centres you like, but it does involve, unless you live in the town where the yeah. NDLS centre is, it does involve, it does involve yeah, a job. So the reason, the reason you have to go in person is they take your photograph. They do the photograph there and then. That's why you need to present. Yeah, and because they, and they want to issue you with these new plastic cards. Yeah. It's the plastic card thing. Well, I mean, you know, I mean, I, my, my pharmacy took a perfectly good picture of me with our little machine back uh, 10 years ago. Uh, do you know? It's just, mm. it's, yeah, it's, just, it's, just it's an inconvenience. It's, it's, it's a total inconvenience. Yeah. They shouldn't call it a service. And it's, the, they should call it an imposition. Would it help if they opened for a couple of evenings to facilitate people who work during the day? Uh, that would help, absolutely. I mean, they do open on a Saturday from uh, till 2 o'clock. 9am to 2. 9 to 2am. And I'm actually in Skibbereen on a Saturday, but I'm down in, um, I trade in market, so I'm, I'm down trading in Skibbereen market and we won't finish trading until 2 o'clock on a, on a Saturday. Now, the, so. the only thing in its defence, if you book your appointment online, which obviously everyone is encouraged to do, when you turn up, it's it's a pretty speedy system if you've booked your time slot. I don't know if that's of any use to you. Well, it is, of course, but basically my my, my point is that um, there's um, the thing wasn't broke, so it doesn't need to be fixed. I know, I know, I know. I know. This is just the new the, the new way of... And I, I don't... I know what you're saying, it, it's because they're, they're putting them on their cards, but I mean I got my passport renewed and I got one of the new... I decided just purely to test it out. I got my standard passport, but there was an offer on that I could get, you know, the little credit card one. Yeah. And I was able to do all of that from the comfort of my own home, including Hobby taking the photograph of me, uploaded it, and the card came with my photograph on it. And they're the biometric ones they have to be for for, for a passport. And and it struck me that if they can do this with passports, why can't they do it with driving licence? Wouldn't it be handier if you could do it from home? Wouldn't it just... And Absolutely. a listener says, with regard to the license, went to Skibbereen uh, twice because I hadn't made my appointment online. My license expired last week uh, and I ended up having to join a queue of people. I got there at half eight in the morning and I didn't get out until half twelve. Brexit has caused a lot, but the staff, I have to say, were lovely and helpful. If you go in without an appointment, you do have to wait. You have, oh, to, you have, yeah, you have, yeah, yeah. You have to queue. So what are you going to do? Ah, sure. Look, I mean, I was, I was, I was getting very stubborn about it, and I was just going to let the license lapse. But sure, if you let the license lapse, then you've got to go through the whole. Don't do that. Don't do that. No, yeah. no, 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 no. No, I mean, I need. I'm, I'm driving a van for the business, so I mean, I need to be on the road. So uh, no, I'm just going to have to go. I'm just going to have to take. I just have to get up earlier in the morning. You know. And you, and, uh, you, you, you run a small business in that you are go. You do all the the farmers markets and the food markets, isn't it? That's right. Uh, we supply a few uh, coffee shops and retail outlets as well. But uh, yeah. So you're you're, you're travelling all the time. And Camira, I have to ask you this: you 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 say in your email that you make and sell healthy chocolates. Now I have to say that sounds like an oxymoron. Tell me about your your healthy no, chocolates. No, not an oxymoron at all. Go on, uh, tell me. That's what we do. We're called Hungry Crow, 
and uh, we used uh, we're, we're, we're free from dairy uh, grains and refined sugars so we're gluten free and dairy free and we're oh. using the refined sugars and we're using 85% cacao chocolate so there is um, such a thing as a healthy chocolate well chocolate is healthy um, like a, a good high um, cocoa percentage chocolate is actually healthy in small doses it's got um, it's got magnesium etc you know um, and uh, it's good for you yeah, it's the milk chocolate with all the sugar it's, it's, is the it's, one that's yeah, bad. Yeah, yeah, it's just sugar that's bad for you. And where, uh, do, where do you sell? Uh, Clonakilty Market, Skibreen Market, Kinsale um, Market, Skull Market, and um, uh, O'Neill Coffee Shop, Skibreen, Olive Branch, Clonakilty, Letter Column, Clonakilty, Organico Bantry. Um, we're in a shop called Sonus over in Newcastle West. We're in um, Chi Shop in uh, Tralee. Well done. And are you, are you and you're producing yourself and your wife are make and produce it all yourselves? That's right, yeah. Yeah. That's a good little... And coming up to Easter, is business good? Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> We're swamped, yeah. Busiest time of the year. All right. Absolutely. All right, I'll let you... I'll let, and what, what market are you at today? Uh, no, I'm not doing a market today. Today's a big prep day. Oh, today you're making chocolate yeah, yeah okay yeah. I'll let you back to making the chocolate and go get your licence and I'm sorry it's All such right. an inconvenience to you but Mark it was nice to talk to you thank you for that thanks Patricia bye okay, bye 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 1850 and I'm assuming there's other people the very same as Mark who are caught in that dilemma of having to take time off work to go and get a driver's licence because I checked out their opening hours it's 9am to 5pm Monday to Friday and then they do a Saturday morning from 9am to 2pm for the life of me I can't understand even if just one evening a week maybe they open like between 7 and 9 to facilitate people like Mark and others who are working and because in the whole the, the you know a county, a city and county the size of Cork, there's only three NDLS centres. Skibbereen, the one Mark is talking about, there's one in Mallow and there's one in Cork City. And as that other texter pointed out, they are now working flat out because with Brexit, people with Brexit are getting very nervous. Anyone who's over here and has been driving around on a UK driver's licence, there's a bit of grey area as to what will happen to that licence after Brexit and particularly if the United Kingdom uh, there's a there's a hard Brexit so there's been a rush on people trying to get their UK licence transferred over to an Irish licence because if they don't and then the UK licence becomes obsolete they'll be back to square one in that they'll have to apply to do a driving test they'll have to become get the learner permit and all of that entails and we know with the learner permit you have to have a fully qualified driver with you so it's going to it could cause problems for a lot of people so that's why all of the NDLS all the centres are very busy at the moment now the way around it is is to book book your slot but when you go online to book your slot you could have a little bit of a wait that's why get in there before your licence check when your licence is due up get in there in plenty of time and book your slot but as that person said on that text the staff there are very helpful and very friendly and I know I got my driver's licence was it last year I had to go for a renewal of, of mine now I did I booked it online so there was no there was no wait time or whatever and the only wait time were people who hadn't booked a slot. That's what happens when you go in. If you haven't booked an appointment, they and they 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 give you an estimated how long you're going to be waiting around. I know that person was saying they they waited. They got into the queue at half eight, had half eight, and didn't get out until half twelve. But that's without an appointment. So please do make your appointment. But maybe maybe the National Drivers Licence Service needs to look at their opening hours and be a little bit more flexible around it to allow for people who do work Monday to Friday 
Uh, not, well, people work Monday to Friday, 9 to 5. I suppose they'll have the Saturday, but there are people who work six days as well. 1850 333 The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. Supporting businesses, supporting communities, serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie. Kildallery Community Development, they're holding their uh, weekly lotto draw, Sheehan's Bar. It's on uh, tonight. The jackpot is €1,500. St. Coleman's Cathedral Centenary Photo Exhibition. They'll be on display at Cork Airport for the next four weeks. The stunning collection of photos captures the cathedral, cove and other major historical events. Some events for Good Friday. Bantry Blues are holding a table quiz tomorrow night. Starts at half past eight in the Keys Bar. Proceeds are in aid of the Kieran O'Connor Fund. While Cove GAA are presenting the Good Friday Disagreement. That's on tomorrow night at eight o'clock in the GAA Pavilion. MC for the night is our own Michael Scanlon from the C103 Sports Department with music by Tony O'Donovan. Question and answer session with Kerry footballer Tomas O'Shea, special guests Tomas Mulcahy and Angela Walsh. Dancing to Finbar Dennehy at Cades County in Glenville. That's on Saturday night with proceeds in aid of Fermoy MS. And the Clonakilty Easter commemoration will be held on Easter Sunday at 12.45pm at Asna Square. During the ceremony, a wreath will be laid at the Tig and Asna uh, statue. And can I give a very quick mention and wish the very best of luck to all the students involved at Colossian and Mirror Transition Year. They're presenting Greece. Now, the actual show isn't on until two weeks' time, Wednesday the 1st of May. They are Wednesday and Thursday, the 1st and 2nd of uh, May in Butterman GAA Hall. But I know that this, the the pupils are in full rehearsal and even though they're on their Easter holidays they are continuing to rehearse right over the Easter holidays so the very best of luck to everybody involved Cloche de Mirror Transition Year Greece is the word and it'll be Butterman GAA on Wednesday May the 1st and Thursday May the uh, 2nd Now I want to go to our Besborough piece and just uh, okay um, Anna Gorman had a baby in Besborough when she was just 17. Evelyn would be 48 years old this July had her baby lived. Uh, Anne told, was told after she'd had her baby that her baby had passed away. Anne spoke to Fiona Corcoran, our senior news reporter yesterday and she gave her reaction to the Commission's report that came out yesterday. My baby was born and I heard her cry and um, the nurse came down, twisted the afterbirth out of my stomach, and I passed out. And um, I woke up two or three days later, and the baby, uh, a nun came into the ward and told me that my baby was gone to heaven. That's, I had an angel in heaven. And... Um, after that, in uh, I had my son in nineteen seventy-five, and when I went back down to have him, they told me that they had a record of me being there, but they had no record of my baby being there. And did they ever tell you or show you where uh, baby Evelyn had been buried? No, we weren't allowed near the graveyard. They said my baby was buried in the nuns' graveyard. But uh, when I woke up that day, there was two men lifting uh, a crate, a wooden crate, 
one with a shovel and one with a crate on his shoulder. And um, I seen him going down towards the black gates, you know, the black fencing thing that goes around. And um, I always presumed that she was buried in there with the nuns on consecrated grounds. was never told where or anything like that, you know. And you were 17 at the time, so you've lived your adult life not knowing either where your baby was buried or even if she was if she died that time, that maybe she's even still alive. Yeah, um, it was come back a few years ago that it all came out about the scandal, you know, of babies being sold to America and everything. And um, I always thought my baby was safe. You know, she was buried on consecrated grounds because um, I had my religion, that's the way I was brought up. And um, I just got a shock when it came out that she could be given away, you know, that she could be sold or sold to a medical school or I just don't know anymore, you know, because the feeling I had all the years, I don't have that feeling anymore. And the report out today has said that there were 900 babies that possibly died at Besborough or in some of the hospitals in Cork. Yeah. Um, only 64 of them have been accounted for in graves. In graves. Yeah. Um, and the Commission has also said that it's not going to excavate the site at Besborough. What's your reaction I today? I'm totally shocked. They are covering up. There's something being covered up. You know, with that many babies missing, including my own, like, you know, I'm just shocked. And I'm sure all the mothers, brothers, sisters all feels the same, you know, that they can get away with such a crime like this. The nuns can get away. The priests, the doctors, the, whoever is in on it, they're getting away with it. I mean, like, there a couple of weeks ago, I spoke to you as well about a map that had been discovered that said clearly on it, children's yeah. burial ground. And I think at that time, you were hoping that it might it lead them be. to an excavation. Oh, yeah, I most definitely did. I really thought now they were going to get to work and work on it. But now they're saying that they're not, like, you know, I'm just... There isn't even words for it, what I'm feeling. Do you know, it's like grieving all over again. Do you know, is there any hope for us? Like, is it going to go on to generations and generations again? Is that what they're trying to do? Like, uh, putting away the files for 75 years when it's gone past our own children's lifetime as well. You know, that's why I'm afraid of in case they repeat what they're after or what they're after doing. Do you feel that this is just another insult to you? Of course. Of course it is. Of course, but do you know what, Fiona? I've got to keep on fighting, love. I have to. I know I was sick for a while, but I, I'll get up again and I'll keep on fighting. 
And if anything happens to me, I hope my children carries it out for me. Do you know that they'll get justice for my baby. I'm angry and everything. How do you feel towards the commission today? Very disappointed, very. After we given our stories and everything, and it's like they're there for the government, they're there going against us, which we thought they were there for us. If you could give a message directly now to the Commission and to Minister Catherine Sapone, what would you say? Please help us. It's not right what you're doing. It isn't right what you're doing to anybody. What would it mean to you to have that site excavated? To be brilliant. It would be brilliant for all the babies, all the mothers and relatives. It would be brilliant. It would, and if I got my own baby back, whether she's dead or alive, I have a, a plot for her with her name on the headstone, years I have done, and just to have her put in there before I leave this world. It, it, she's part of me, she's my flesh and blood, you know. And yeah, I was only a child, but there was nothing there for us. We couldn't tell anyone. We had nowhere to go. Renting and deeply hurt over it. Were you aware at the time that other babies had maybe died or that babies might have been buried on the grounds? No, no. The reason why is that everything was hid. Everything that was done was hid. And at the same time... Uh, we weren't allowed to talk to anybody about our stories, about our what's upsetting us or anything like that. It was just an operation being run by the nuns, like, you know. So after you had your baby and you were told that she died and, and you were still there then for another couple of weeks after yeah. that, you didn't talk to anybody at that time, did you? No, no one. We weren't allowed we just weren't allowed, like, when you cry, you cry to yourself, like there's no one to put their arms around you or anything like that. And of course I was frightened back then. And that's what's killing me now, is that the age I am now and I'm able to come out with things. Back then, up to a few years ago, I couldn't open up about my past. Is it hard for you to take that, you know, other babies who died at that time, not even in Besborough, just other babies in general, were all buried in proper graveyard, consecrated ground, but yet your little Evelyn was just thrown there in thrown a field? There. Thrown there in the field, like, thrown there in the field. Do you know, it's just horrific. Can't describe the pain that I'm going through. I'm numb. It's like living on another planet now at the moment with me. Has it affected you throughout your adult life? It has. Oh, it has. Big time. It has a, a, no confidence whatsoever. What the nuns done and said and, you know, with my baby and being looked down on. It has, big time affected me but I am getting it back into me to fight on to keep fighting I have good friends and that and they're the same like you know they're 
left wondering and thinking. And, but I, I hope that a lot more now will come out and say what they have to say, that they're not to hide it, to come out and release them, to know, give them peace of mind and everything, because we're all helping one another, to know, if they do come out. Do you think if more people came out and went public with their story like you have done, that it might yeah. help? Oh, yeah, it would help. So please, mothers, come out and do what you have to do. Don't be ashamed. There's nothing to be ashamed of. It's not your fault. It's not my fault. It was just the way the system worked. And this report out today, even though it has said that there's going to be no further action, there won't be any excavation, are you still clinging to the hope that... That there will be. There will be. Oh, definitely, that there will be. There have to be. If I have to go down with a shovel myself and start digging, I will. God help her. What a brave lady. Thank you to um, Anne O'Gorman there speaking yesterday with our senior news reporter Fiona Corcoran and getting her reaction to the Commission's report which uh, came out. And, you know, I, I really do think they're going to, I know the Commissioner are saying not to excavate the site in, in Besborough, but if there's 900 babies and they can only have died and they can only account for something like 50 of them. They, they have the burial locations of 50. I think something has to be done. But I'm certainly a poor old Anne. And you could see why she would want to go down with a shovel herself and try to dig to try to find the remains of her own little baby. Thank you once again uh, to Anne. As I say, a very brave uh, piece for her to do and not the easiest story uh, to tell. We very much appreciate her taking time out to talk to Fiona. 1850 333 103. And I've had a couple of calls in and from listeners wondering about the post office is the post office open tomorrow tomorrow being Good Friday so we've checked it out for you and no the post office is closed tomorrow Good Friday April 19th it's also obviously closed next Monday for bank holiday Monday that means to anybody who goes along to pick up a social welfare payment payments due for collection tomorrow can be collected from the post office today so if you pick up your a lot of pensioners get their pension on a Friday or any other social welfare payment you can go and collect today for tomorrow Tomorrow. And uh, likewise, if you are due a payment for collection next Monday, you get paid on a Monday, uh, payments due for collection on Monday, the 22nd of April can be collected to on Saturday of uh, this weekend. Uh, but tomorrow, Good Friday, all post offices are closed. Court today on C103. With Walker Hearing Clinic in the Consultants Private Clinic at CUH. Hearing experts for both adults and children. See walkerhearingclinic.ie. C103 is under starter's orders. For Cork Racecourse Mallow's Easter event, April 20th to 22nd. Enjoy three great days of racing at Cork Racecourse. Special DJ on Saturday. The Muckrose Park Hotel and Spa Most Stylish Lady Event happening Easter Sunday. And there's plenty of children's entertainment with the family fun race day on Easter Monday. Come along to the Cork Racecourse Mallows Easter event April 20th to 22nd. For more, see corkracecourse.ie with C103. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. To somebody saying a big round of applause to that brave lady Anne O'Gorman and well done to your reporter uh, on such a great interview that is Fiona uh, Corcoran uh, you are so right um, Mary says Patricia when you, when you get the photograph taken for the National Drivers Licence Centre at the NDLS do you have to go to the centre anymore or do they use the same 
photograph all the time i.e. in 10 years time when your licence is up for renewal will you have to go back I would say absolutely you'll have to go back they won't allow you to use a photograph that's because te- that technically will be 10 years uh, out of date so no that hasn't come up yet because obviously the NDLS isn't there 10 years but yes you can be guaranteed you'll be going back Mary after the 10 years to get a new photograph taken now Mallow Tidy Towns oh by the way if you've got a pet question get it in 1850 333 103 text or WhatsApp 0862 103 Tidy Towns have been encouraging people to get involved with picking litter and at the same time use it to get fit. To discuss the second Get Fitter Pick Litter event which is happening tomorrow I'm joined by uh, Niall O'Keefe who is Chairman of the Mallow Tidy Towns. Um, Good afternoon to you Niall. Good afternoon Patricia. Uh, And and you're very welcome to the programme. How did last year's event go for you? Oh, Patricia, last year's event was a great success. I don't think we could have predicted how well it was going to go. Um, we got massive support from everybody around Mallow and the out- outskirts of town uh, as well. Uh, we had over 200 people turned Terrific. up last year. It was a beautiful day, uh, Good Friday last year. And actually, this Good Friday tomorrow um, looks like an even better day where weather forecasters are predicting 20 degrees. Like so, I'm, I was um, about to suggest people heading out tomorrow will need the suntan lotion yes. Yeah. Who could have predicted for Good Friday you need some pen lotion? Like, you know. um, and is it, all the, yes. is it all the bending down and the walking around that makes the um, activity help with fitness? Yes, of course. Yeah, yeah. Good walk around town with a litter picker and a bag. Uh, we're encouraging people to go out in pairs like, um, and uh, yes, have a good walk around and pick up what you can. Not too much bending over and using the back like you'll have the litter picker. So we don't want anybody, um, you know, to, to strain their back or anything and, you know, obviously to use all the, the proper health and safety. But certainly um, have a nice day, a nice morning around Mallow in the sunshine. Um, pick some litter. Feel great for it. Um, be that bit fitter. You'll feel better for giving an hour volunteering for the town and then come back to the castle afterwards uh, where we'll have refreshments kindly sponsored by local businesses like Matty Taylor and Food Capers you have Ian Lucy and Lucy's Good Food Shop and Tom Griffin there and Harley Hees and Brendan and Apache Pizza coming on board to help us with the refreshments Ah, That's really nice isn't it? It is, yeah, yeah. And we have Benji Hallahan and his musicians coming along as well to give, um, you know, uh, some rousing songs uh, about Mellow and other things afterwards. So hopefully like, it will be um, a great event. We'll be based in the Marquee in the castle. The Marquee is there for the Racing Home for Easter Festival. Mm. So luckily we were able to piggyback on the use of that, uh, which really makes a difference to the event. And it's just, it's, there's something lovely about a community coming together, uh, Niall, is. isn't there? Absolutely, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a kind of, you know, people enjoy it, you know, there's a nice camaraderie, they kind of, they meet people maybe that they haven't seen in a while. I mean, if we get the kind of numbers again, like last year, um, and actually we'll have resident groups coming out as well, so go out and pick with your neighbours, uh, go out and pick with your friends. Um, a nice, sociable, you know, event, uh, sit down and have the tea and coffee afterwards and a good old chat, enjoy the music, sure, what could be better on Good Friday? Okay, so what's the plan? Where do you want people to meet? Uh, if people come to the castle from 9.30, so the event is scheduled to run from 9.30 until 12.30, um, so they can arrive on from 9.30, come to the marquee where you'll register, uh, you will receive your equipment, a uh, safety briefing, and then you'll receive um, a, a location to go to, to litter pick. And I suppose we're flexible in terms of the time um, so that you can arrive if you can make it for 9.30, come at 10, come at half 10. Um, we'll finish up in the marquee by half 12. So we'll have refreshments in the marquee from 11 o'clock 
for the early waves of volunteers who'll be out at half nine. Okay. Um, so that'll run on, yeah, until half twelve. How much did you pick up last year? How many bags? Oh, uh, yeah, we picked up over 400 bags. Uh, we didn't oh, get away from this game. You know, it's, it's, On it's Yeah, yeah. On uh, we've, there's great cooperation as well with outside groups like, you know, uh, Drumahan are doing a litter pick on the outskirts of Mallow on the road to Drumahan as well on the same day. So, you know, it's a real, um, the event has extended beyond the core of Mallow Town as well. It's brilliant. It's brilliant. And Mallow Tidy uh, Towns, you're, you're a great bunch. I often see you out. Uh, you're uh, you're doing bro. well. You're, you, did you get new members out of it last year, I was wondering? We did get a handful and great. we're always open for new great. members. Uh, and we, what we'd say is, while... We always have activities every week um, throughout the year, but we'd encourage volunteers to come when they can. Yeah. Don't feel that you have to come every single week. It's literally come when you're able, come when, you, when you're available, come when you can. Okay, well, good, good luck with your, your second uh, Get Fitter, Pick Litter event tomorrow, uh, Niall. And thanks a million for joining us on the programme today. Excellent. Uh, thanks, good afternoon to you. Bye bye, Niall O'Keefe, Chairman of Mallow Tidy Towns. Please help out your local Tidy Towns group. They do amazing work. And Mike Fitzgerald at Star Tracks, just to say, yes, I did get your uh, letter today. And I mentioned you earlier, but obviously you weren't tuned in, but that's 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 okay. But just to acknowledge, yes, uh, we received it safe and sound. Thank you very much. 1850. 333103. John O'Connell from the High Street Bar in Newmarket was on to say, never fail to drink on Good Friday. Keeping up the tradition again tomorrow. They're also going to be closed. And plug, we have music on Sunday night with Glenside fo- Folk. Uh, 1850 A quick break and we're back uh, with Jane Pickett, our resident vet. And Jane Pickett from the Islandwood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket, part of the Mill Street Veterinary Group, joins me in studio. Um, we don't have very long, unfortunately. Good afternoon to you, Jane. Uh, you're welcome. And, f- and my first question to you, because I mentioned this earlier, with the amount of Easter eggs that are in people's houses, uh, a listener contacted this morning to say, is that just an urban myth that chocolate is poisonous for dogs? Uh, short answer is no, it's definitely poisonous. Dogs and cats, chocolate, it does not. Uh, no, no. They don't get on very well. They can't metabolise the chocolate and it is poisonous to them so it is very serious if they have any now it's a bit of a sliding scale it depends on the size of your dog if you have a smaller dog obviously a smaller amount can cause a lot of problems if you have a big dog it might not be so much of a problem if they have the tiniest nibble but what I would say is if you are in any doubt if your dog or cat has even the tiniest sliver of of chocolate contact your vet because time is kind of of the essence. It's ASAP. ASAP. Well, ASAP. So well. when we have a dog that has chocolate, it's always worse if it's dark chocolate versus white chocolate, etc. Because there's more, there's more of the cocoa in it, so it's a little bit worse. But it goes for other things like around this time, there's lots of chocolate cakes, like say chocolate nest cakes. Some of the cocoa powder that's in those cakes as well is toxic to bits. So it's the cocoa powder because yeah. we were just talking about a healthy chocolate earlier on that's eighty mm-hmm. percent cocoa. Obviously, mm. that would be a real. Oh yeah, that would yeah. be a real. Okay, and there are dog treats. If, uh, there are chocolate dog treats. There are chocolate dog treats, but they're not made of chocolate. They're made of carob, which looks and smells very similar, but is not toxic. But the one thing I'd say is time is of the essence. If you do notice that your dog or cat has eaten some chocolate, contact your vet ASAP because we have a window of about two or three hours where we can do very constructive things. Um, And after that, it becomes a lot more challenging. Making them sick? Making them sick. So we try and decontaminate the stomach as best we can. Sometimes they may need to stay in with us for supportive therapy, depending on how they are in themselves and how much they might have eaten relative to their body size. But really, time is of the essence. But they can die. You've seen. Absolutely. You've seen. They can die. Their well, heart rate goes very, very high well, and they can have brain dysfunction. And unfortunately, some of them do pass away. So it's very serious. OK. Uh, WhatsApp in saying, hi, Patricia, could you ask Jane? I have a nine month old female 
Cavishan. Uh When would be the best time to have her neutered, please? Uh, now would be Is great. Yeah. Um, so nine months old, Cavachons are really beautiful little dogs. They have great little personalities, so they do. Now, with a female, I normally say any time from six months of age is perfect, okay? Mm. Um, we know that there's a big benefit in spaying our female dogs before a year of age. It reduces their risk of getting breast cancer later in life. Um, and obviously with spaying at any point, it reduces the risk or eliminates the risk of getting a fatal womb infection because the womb will no longer be there. Apart from that, I suppose it prevents any unwanted pregnancies and we already have a load of lovely unwanted dogs in this country so we don't want to be adding to that problem anymore so it's definitely the responsible choice any time from six months of age is perfect and I think the one thing to add is it's an old wives tale to say that you need to let them have a season or have a litter of pups beforehand they don't know any different and they get way more health benefits if we do it younger so I would say now is the time go go, and get it sorted go go make your appointment Uh, Jerry in Middleton was on a cat Uh, it was a stray took it in three years ago had her neutered well done she's about they reckon in six years of age her fur though has gone patchy in places and you can see the skin Mm. this could be a few different things I think first of all well done for taking her in I'm sure she has a lovely home by the sounds of it now Um, if she does have patchy fur and you can see her skin I would wonder if she's itching or scratching at all cats can be very secretive sometimes with these things and might just do it in in private as it were and have Mm. a good little itch and scratch so it can be very difficult to assess with them now sometimes it can be a flea or a mite or a lice most commonly with cats it's a flea so I would say first protocol will be make sure you're up to date on doing your parasite prevention so get a spot on from your vet to treat for fleas, mites and lice and do that first that may improve the situation sometimes we can get problems with either stress it's very much like our, us biting our nails um, sometimes cats can scratch and bite out their own hair if they are a little bit stressed and cats are very sensitive little creatures so that can happen quite frequently sometimes we can have a deeper more serious problem in the skin like an infection um, so I think I would try the spot on for the fleas, mites and lice initially get one from your vet and discuss with them how to apply it correctly and if the problem isn't sorting itself out I think a visit to your vet to get fully checked out and, and it's one of the tests. hardest things to get to the bottom of any vet it will tell you isn't really it? any, really any really kind of thing Carmel in Mitchellstown her dog is constantly trying to catch or bite his tail I'm not sure why he's doing it he's six years of age so he should know by now he has a tail mm. says Carmel he's neutered and he's a Labrador this is like a bad chase in the tail it's like I a habit it's a habit isn't it's, it I think it's a habit yeah. more than anything else with a lot of these things I, I, I think we make a good point here she, our, our caller says that he's six years old he should know he has a tail by but now he's, but then can I say he's, a, he's a Labrador <laughs> he's a Labrador now I think there could be two things going on here if you imagine kind of a toddler discovering their toes that's all they want to play with and obviously yeah. in an older dog they should know they have a tail by now but it's not right there in front of them so sometimes they kind forget these things I think it's a combination I think sometimes it's behavioural in the sense of if they're a little bit bored sometimes that's an exciting thing to chase and it's yeah. always going to be fulfilling because they'll never catch it um, so I think sometimes it can be boredom related but sometimes it can be a stereotypical behaviour so some dogs um, will kind of display certain symptoms like yawning or scratching or chasing their tail if they are stressed now this is not in every dog at all and I know lots of really normal dogs just chase their tail for the crack of it more than yeah. anything else but I think if it's a new behaviour for your dog and it's not something he normally does or hasn't done in the past um, just make sure he's not too stressed out or there's nothing changed in the environment that might be upsetting him. Um, I, I would. The last thing I would say is if he is biting his tail, um, just check that there are no wounds or scratches or bites or anything that might be irritating him. So maybe it might be that he's chasing his tail because something is painful. And if you're in any doubt, visit your vet and just get him to double but check. I, but I think by the way Karma says that he should know that he has a tail, yeah. it, does, it does look like it's, it's a behaviour thing. Um, and it does look like he's always been doing mm. it. Um, would you suggest therefore with somebody who has a pup that starts it, 
to try and stop it getting into the habit like Paul Carmel has? I think distraction. I think yeah. sometimes you can channel that energy into something a lot more productive sometimes, um, particularly in young dogs. They're, you know, they, they're just like little sponges. So sometimes you could channel that energy into maybe some training for a little while. So teaching them to sit, lie down, giving them a little distraction. That's a good little game for them as well. Or sometimes just giving them a, a toy or a chew to play with sometimes will, will distract them from chasing the tail. It shouldn't necessarily do them any harm, but um, sometimes it can be quite annoying for the other people in the household when they're wrecking. The, yeah. the and yeah, and if it's, an ar- if it's a large dog as well, and Labrador yes. can be big. Okay, listen, yeah. we leave it there. Thank you for that. Have a lovely week. We'll chat again okay. next week. That's Jane Pickett from the Islandwood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket, part of the Mill Street Veterinary uh, Group. And by the way, they are open tomorrow, Good Friday, because I know we're getting lots of calls in about places that are open and not uh, open. Uh, they are open tomorrow. Okay, that's what we leave you for today. Thanks to uh, John Paul McNamara for producing. Uh, Mark is in for Nick for the afternoon, and we're back with you tomorrow morning at ten. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.